keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Go listen to the outro if you want to connect and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and I am thankful for all of you out there listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we practice listening to and learning from each other's very personal details in an effort to improve sex lives everywhere. Our guest today is a 27-year-old bicurious cis female in a monogamous relationship with a dude who's a couple decades older. She works in healthcare, she's vanilla-ish, open to ties and blindfolds from the Midwest. Welcome, Chevelle. Hi, Wyo. Hi. Can you start out by rating yourself on the sexual shame with one being like, oh, I don't have any shame, and ten being like, super shame, I can't handle things? So I'd say I'm like a six, but once I'm having sex, I think it drops down a little bit, maybe like a three. Okay. The inhibitions get lowered a little bit. I love <laughs> that answer. Okay. Great. And can you just give us a couple sentence overview of what your sex life is like right now? Um, so I'm really busy. I work like 10 or 11 hour shifts most days. And when I get home, I cook, I eat, I fall asleep on the couch, and then my boyfriend and I kind of go to bed. And it's a struggle most days to even have the energy to have sex because I kind of want it to be if I'm going to have sex, I'm going to do it right. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be like, yeah, let's just half-ass this today. But, you know, probably once a week, we okay. try to like, set aside time. So Great. it's a little scheduled, but we make an attempt. <laughs> I think it's better to schedule and satisfy than to just, like, be getting scraps all the time, personally. That's my personal mm -hmm. philosophy. So please, if you would, take us back in time to your early origins and tell us, do you remember when you first heard about sex? I was four, and it was actually my mom, like, sort of first told me about sex at that age because I heard on TV the classic, where do babies come from question, and they never answered it on TV. It was always like, ha, 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 laugh track. And I was like, wait, but I want to know. Mm -hmm. So I asked my mom and my mom being, you know, she kind of works in healthcare too. She's not a medical professional, but she works alongside them. So she was like, I need to tell her, you know, the medical truth about this. And so she did, but it was very medical textbook, very like the penis goes in the vagina and you know, stuff comes out and that's what, you know, goes into the woman and, and joins with her egg and, you know, you make babies. And I even remember thinking, like, she didn't explain it super well because I remember thinking that a guy's balls fell off after he did that. <laughs> it's like a bee stinger. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, like, okay, then after he had sex the first time, he just didn't have balls, which is obviously not true, but I don't even know where I got that from, but I still remember thinking that. So really, that was the only time, though, that my mom talked about it, like, okay. other than to say sex was for marriage and, and, you know, nothing more and that kind of thing. But we didn't have really another discussion about it post four years old. <laughs> and was your family religious? Where did that marriage idea come from? Yeah, so very religious, conservative, Christian household. The my whole life basically was wait until you're married to have sex, 
make sure that, you know, you are in a committed relationship before you even discuss it, that kind of thing. So I always grew up thinking I was going to be that way and do that and really, really bought into it for a long time. I don't want to say bought into it like it's bad or like it's a cult thing, but I just did that and believed that and felt that because that was how I was raised. When did that start to shift? Um, So when I went to college... And I was on my own for the first time. And I had a boyfriend that for once I was actually really into. And I think by high school relationships, I was always just kind of avoidant of sex, actually. Like, it scared me. I didn't really want to have sex with anyone. I didn't find anyone that ever made me want to have sex. It was just like, yeah, it's easy to wait. I don't I don't need to have sex. <laughs> but then I found this guy in college in my dorm. And we started dating and we met when we were 19 and we dated for actually almost six years. Oh, wow. So when I met him, it wasn't long before I was like, okay, wait, (laughs) maybe this isn't as easy as everyone makes it out to be to wait till marriage. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of where I shifted the first time. Okay, I want to get more details about that. But first, I want to actually jump back to younger years. And did you get sex ed? Did friends talk about sex in school? And did you ever hear about consent growing up? I did get sex ed. We actually did it for like three years in elementary school slash middle school. So it was I guess four years, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Oh, and wow. the boys started wow. in fourth grade, you know. <laughs> so I remember that, feeling Sorry, very... that just sunk in. That <laughs> The boys started late. So that's literally the message that, like, girls have to worry first. Yes. Whoa. It was girls mature first. Yeah. Girls have to deal with the heavier end of the burden with, you know, pregnancy and that kind of thing and rearing a child afterwards. Yeah. I mean, it kind of felt like, okay, the women have to be responsible. Like even girls, young girls are the responsible ones that need to take responsibility for both parties. So, yeah. (laughs) I, I remember going into a classroom with all the girls though, and being very nervous all the boys like went to the gym and played kickball or something. I don't know. (laughs) And uh, we were like, you know, what's going on? Like we kind of knew about periods and stuff, but we didn't really, a lot of us hadn't had that sex talk with our parents, at least in the depth that they went in that day. And it was literally a one day thing, you know? Yeah. And I remember being though, like when they talked about sex, being very interested and very like, ooh, this is like the forbidden fruit, right? No one talks about it. My mom doesn't talk about it. And it, it's almost like it was a dirty thing, except if you're married. So mm-hmm. it felt kind of dirty that they were like talking about it. But after that, it did spur a lot of conversations between all the girls, mm. especially when we did it just that year with the girls. So it was like oh man, you know, do they really, like, they put it in you, like, kind of thing, because a lot of, you know, there were some girls that didn't know anything about it, and that was their first time being exposed, so it was pretty common in my community, 
which was very small and white and Christian, for that just to be, you know, the norm. Wow. Was there excitement at all? Or was it more, I guess if everyone's Christian, you don't know what to be excited about yet? (laughs) Or were there any, like, kids that knew things that were teachers to the others? Not until later. We did have, like, a whole year of sex ed in junior high. And that was a little different. A year of it? Like it was a class? Like a class. Like oh, a whole wow. class sex ed. So in elementary school, it was just like one day out of the year. We did yeah. it three or four times. In junior high, we had a whole class, the whole year devoted to it. And I think it was seventh grade because it was the year that I got my period. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like sitting in the class, learning about it. And here I am. <laughs> So that was different because there were definitely some, both girls and boys in our class that would talk about doing stuff, whether they really did or not, I don't know. Some of it was probably like, oh yeah, I did that. But yeah, I mean, there was some excitement about it or some, a little bit of like, oh, we're talking about this and it's permitted and, you know... There was a different energy about it, I would say. Got it. And did you ever learn about consent in that class? Oh, consent, consent. Okay, so no. I mean, I've thought about this because that's been a topic on the pod. And I just can't really remember, aside from knowing that rape is wrong. Right. You know, outright, like, I'm going to hold you down and the girl's screaming. Yeah. That kind of thing, it was very clear. But the just checking in with your partner, making sure every step of the way is still okay, you know, consent to touch anyone was not really discussed other than, you know, you don't grab a woman's ass in the bar. But it's different when you're on a date and some touches are okay and some aren't and there's a fine line between the two. That was never really discussed in school or otherwise with me. Yeah. And I feel like in those cases, so much of it is contextual where it's like, well, yes, I want that touch, but not because you just took it. Like I want to be checked in with. Thank you for illustrating that so clearly with the examples. Okay. So when did you start touching yourself? Okay. So yeah, that took me to, I want to say really, truly masturbate. It took me until I was 17. Mm. But I remember being little, like five years old, and like realizing that it felt good to touch myself, like touch my vulva and stuff. But I didn't really do it purposefully. I didn't do it because I was like, oh, I'm going to have an orgasm like up until I was 17. And I remember my first orgasm was accidental. How? (laughs) Um, Like my first full like I had full body convulsions like my first orgasm was completely accidental because I was just laying in bed you know a lot of the time before bed I would like kind of touch myself it was very relaxing and it wasn't necessarily like a sexual thing to me all the time and I was laying there and all of a sudden I was like wait wait (laughs) and like I felt it kind of start in my toes and I was like oh no And I put my comforter in my mouth because I didn't know if I was going to scream because 
all I ever had seen of orgasms was on TV. And I was like, they always scream and make noise and they're so loud. And so my parents were up and they're in the living room and we didn't really have a very big house. So I stuffed the comforter in my mouth. And then I was like, whoa. And it just lasted for a little bit. And I was like, wait, that was definitely an orgasm. And I had no doubt in my mind, even though I really hadn't had one before and I wasn't trying to have one. So you can imagine, like, I was very sensitive yeah. because just yeah. from me sort of casually touching down there, it happened. And I was like, wow, I've been, I didn't know that women could do that. Like, I thought it was sort of like a myth. Oh. Like, I just didn't realize that you could have an orgasm and you could give yourself one. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know. I was completely clueless. Like, no one ever taught me about pleasure it was very medical and cold, like from the time I was four, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So how did that, I'm assuming you touched yourself more. How did it lead to more things? Yeah, it was pretty bad for for probably a month. I did it a lot mm -hmm. because I was like, oh man, this is great. Like I have to make up for lost time here. And I, I said before that I didn't really have like an urge to have sex with anyone in particular. And I didn't want to have sex, but I definitely had sexual urges in general mm -hmm. and like fantasies about, you know, movie stars or whatever, or just having sex with someone and someone touching me and feeling pleasure from that. So I definitely was like, all right, this is it. This is how you release that pressure, you know, that having all these fantasies and stuff built up over the years and like never having sex and really not having been touched by anyone up until that point in any mm -hmm. sexual way. Mm -hmm. So I, I made up for lost time. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And did you get any messages from the faith that you were raised in about masturbation? Not really. Okay. Um, I know now because I have a friend who kind of went into church work. And I know how my church feels about it. And it's sort of like, you know, that's a very selfish thing. And oh, sex really? And selfish. Sex and sexual pleasure should be around your husband or wife if you're male or, you know, I mean, they're they're assuming you're in a heterosexual relationship right. and you're married. Um, and that all sexual pleasure should be around that and for the purpose of childbearing and oh. like nothing like, you know, if you're having sex, then you are not using birth control and you are accepting the consequences. And so sex was for making babies and not anything else, pretty much. Got it. It's so funny to me because the more that I talk to people that were raised in churches, the more I'm like, oh, so people just like hear the rules and then figure out what works for them. Because I'm such a rule follower. When I was little, I was like, well, I can't keep going to this Methodist church because I don't know if I'm going to want to wait till marriage. And that was when I was just like, oh, I'm out because I was so I've, I've been accused of being black and white in some ways, even though I'm also very open minded. So was there ever any like uh, crinkliness in you around that? Or were you just like, oh, I got to make my own rules? Yeah, there was a lot of crinkliness. I think I like that. <laughs> I had extreme guilt, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, for at least a while about, oh my gosh, I shouldn't do this. Like, I feel like everybody knew, everybody could tell that yeah. I had just, you know, had this 
earth-shattering moment in my sexual life and like I hit this milestone. I felt like everybody could tell that I had had an orgasm. Everybody could tell that I masturbated. And I was like, that's ridiculous. They can't tell. And I also felt like it was not really something that was acceptable for women or female-bodied people to do. It was like, you know, that's a very teenage boy thing. Mm. And and I felt kind of like, oh, man, like I'm just so dirty and over-sexual. And I didn't feel like it was necessarily appropriate culturally or in a religious way for me. So did you ever do any explorations with anyone in your younger years before that college boyfriend? Like anything, even if it was like holding hands or kissing or what was that like for you? Yeah, I had a few, I I guess maybe two serious boyfriends and I like kissed held hands. Nothing really happened till I was 16. And then my parents let me go on real dates, mm. what they dubbed them real dates, because um, I could drive. And as long as we could both drive, we could take ourselves and go on a real date. They weren't going to like drop me off at the movie theater, that whole thing. Yeah. So <clears throat> when I had real dates, I had this boyfriend who was a year older and in high school, that's just like light years older, you know? Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, oh, man, you know, he was tall. And I knew that he had had a little more experience than I did. And he definitely tried to have, I don't want to say have sex with me, but he was sort of pushing in that direction. Mm. And he was sticking his hand in my pants. And I was, I didn't really have the guts to tell him I was uncomfortable with it. it. So I, I feel like my body language, I was very much like, I would kind of scrunch up into a little ball and like, okay, maybe not like, you know, but I didn't really explicitly tell him, "Uh, I don't think I want to do that. And I think part of it is because neither of us in the same school we went to had had any type of consent talk. And it was, you know, those those touches, like him putting his hands in my pants or trying to, you know, go up my shirt, like that kind of stuff. It was very like new and exciting. And I feel like if we had talked about it, I would have been more okay with it. But him just going for it was so uncomfortable. And it was very confusing because I was getting wet and like my body was responding to that. But my mind was reeling like, I don't know what I want. And obviously this turns me on, but I was not ready for it, like mentally, emotionally. And so that was just a very confusing time. We didn't really last very long because he found some other girl that was willing to move a little faster, which was fine. But yeah, that was the first time I really had any experience with like sexual touches. How do you feel like that affected your future experiences, if at all? I feel like I was much more cautious to even enter into not just a relationship, but just a situation where I felt like that might happen again. Yeah. So I didn't, it took me two years to like even kiss a guy after that, which mm. I mean, is not that long when you're 16 to 18. But for me, I just felt like I was worried that it was going to happen again. And then somebody wouldn't be as willing to stop because he did eventually like kind of get the hint which was 
good that he didn't just keep forcing it, but I was afraid someone would. And so I was very choosy with that because I knew that was one thing that I would have a hard time telling people no. And I didn't want to get in a situation where someone might push that boundary again. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. I also feel like that describes so many of my adult experiences. And even though I'm someone that is like highly arousable and often am down to fuck, like in the years before I had language about like, well, what do you want to do tonight? I would just avoid my friends who I would sleep with because I would think that they only wanted to hang out with me if we were going to have sex. And so if I wasn't in a sexy mood, rather than being like, hey, no, I'm not up for it or like, I'll give you a blowjob, but I like my body's tired or whatever, you know, like I would just avoid them. And I think so often about like, how like I would just wonder what our lives would have been like if we had the language to get the safety and assurances that would make us want the sexy things or just the friendship that builds the sexy things. So, okay, before we go on, I realize we glanced over the masturbation. Will you please give us details about how you enjoy touching yourself? Okay, so I am one of those mystical people that can have nipplegasm. <laughs> and I know that you're a fan. I just so. love, I cannot imagine what that feels. I mean, I can imagine what that feels like in my body, but I just want to hear you describe it. So that is kind of where I start because it is, even though I can do it, it is more difficult than having like a clitoral orgasm. Uh-huh. So I start sort of by like touching my nipples like maybe through my shirt because they're really sensitive like it's no joke (laughs) and that sort of gets me like warmed up like I can get wet super quickly from that which then I you know use to touch my clitoris I I definitely start out like slower lighter like I'm very sensitive everywhere so I start out like not directly touching it and then maybe even like touching my the inside of my legs and stuff and just getting like really in the mood because I am I'm not like usually just gonna just go in and get in get out kind of thing like I sort of make it an experience (laughs) so I mainly I don't really like things inside me when I'm Um, masturbating. So I'm not really like a vibrator person or a dildo person or really anything. I like using my hands Mm. and not really having like very strong sensation. So like, I feel like vibration, like from vibrators and stuff, it's just like too much. Yeah. And I don't really enjoy them in really any capacity, which has sort of blown the minds of some sex partners. (laughs) But (laughs) I, I very much like you know, my own hands to just do everything and, and really not like fingers inside, nothing like that. I'm very much like external, I guess, Mm -hmm. when I'm masturbating. So I, yeah, I just start slow. And then kind of as I get more aroused and more wet, then I would like be go faster or a little, maybe a little harder. And then happens. I mean, <laughs> here's a question I haven't been asking people and that now I feel is I am remiss in not asking this question. Do you make noise now by yourself or at all? Yes, usually. 
usually it's kind of not the whole time. Yeah. But when I'm close, it kind of helps me to get over the edge and have an orgasm. And I'm not really sure why. <laughs> um, I guess part of it is like I'm almost turned on by my own sounds, which is like mm. it sounds so vain, but like it makes me think of like when I'm having sex. Yeah. And yeah. It's just very, I don't know, primal. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm understanding your origin story of masturbation, it sounds like you did develop a quietness because of the nature of your surroundings and the privacy issues. Did you have to like work to come out of that? Or was it like once you're in a zone where you can make noise, you did? Do you remember? No, I, I'm pretty vocal. <laughs> um, and I don't feel like I ever, once I got into a situation where I could be, I don't think I had an issue I think it was just like I knew where I was in the situation and I was very conscious of that. But once I was in like a safe space, it was, yeah, I'm pretty vocal. That's awesome. <laughs> As I'm listening to, I'm sort of like, why are you a three? What are the parts where you feel shamey? <laughs> so I guess the shame really is just very deeply rooted. Mm -hmm. um, in that whole Christian conservative background. And there's still parts of me that feel like, I don't know if that will ever go away completely. Okay. It's just been so ingrained in, it feels like my identity because I was very much that goody two shoes, good girl. Like everybody at school kind of knew if you wanted to have sex, it wasn't with me. You know, there was, you're going to have to find somebody else. And so, I just feel like that's so much my identity that even now when I'm a completely different person and people from high school wouldn't recognize me, like appearance wise, like everything, it's mm -hmm. just, I'm a completely different person inside and out. And I still feel that twinge of like, Oh, that's wrong. Oh. That's wrong. And like my inner voice, you know, is still telling me that enjoying it is wrong and doing it is wrong. And, and, being sexual is just dirty because I'm not married. How do you function with that? <laughs> well, I did kind of have sort of a turning point. I went to, I want to say like a post-baccalaureate program, like a master's program, and I moved out of state away from home. And I broke up with my boyfriend who was the first guy I had sex with. Yeah. And we had been having sex for five and a half years, just him. And it was nice. <laughs> and I, I never really had complaints, but I also knew that it wasn't like passionate and it wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it would always be all the time, yeah. which it, it never is. But like, there was something missing for me. And that was part of the reason you know, just the whole relationship was missing something. So we broke up and I moved out of state and I started getting on Tinder and Bumble and stuff. And I started going on dates and I realized like, oh, I really do want to have sex just with like people and not be in a relationship and not necessarily be committed and maybe just 
be really feeling that person and they're feeling me and it's fine. And we're, we're going to go ahead with that. And then maybe not have a relationship after. Cause I, I felt like I was kind of a serial monogamous. Like right. I had a few relationships in my early adulthood that like I felt were quite long considering my age. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's just be like casual, you know? And it was very hard for me to make that transition because I obviously felt a lot of shame. I felt shame about being in a committed relationship for five and a half years. And yeah, if we're having sex with someone, even though we were very committed to each other and monogamous for that whole time, I felt guilt over that. So me switching over to let's go on Tinder and basically just find someone to be with for a day or a week or whatever was brand new territory, but I gave it a shot. And so the first time I remember I went on a date with this guy and I liked him right away. It was my very first like Tinder date and I got so lucky. I didn't even realize, (laughs) but I liked him right away. And, you know, we went dancing and it was very, very romantic. I highly suggest it if you ever want to go like on a date. It's just very it breaks that touch barrier in a very Mm. acceptable, comfortable way. And you're in public and it makes me feel a lot more comfortable. So we were dancing and I was like, oh, man, he's dreamy. And like I didn't have the most self-confidence. I never really have. So for someone to be into me was like this whole new thing. Mm. Like, he's so hot and I'm ready. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> and so I remember we didn't do anything that day. We didn't have sex that day. We did make out in his car for like mm. two hours, like Ugh. a couple of coolers. And it was fun. so fun. Yeah. And we definitely were like touching like through clothes, which it just, it, you know, it was very, so much anticipation. Yeah. And, I hadn't done that in a really long time because I had been with someone for almost six years before that. And that was gone. You know, that whole, like, I've never seen you naked and I've never touched you like that was gone. And so with him, it was very, you know, sweaty. and like, It was just so hot. And I remember when we finally left, he's like, so we're having a second date, right? Like that was so hot. I'm like, yeah. And he was also really good about, you know, when he was going to touch me, like, is this okay? And I was like, yes, it's okay. Like that's so hot. And I did, I never knew how hot it would be to just have someone whisper to you, is this okay? Yeah. Because it seems like it's such a a buzzkill and people are afraid that it's going to ruin the moment. We're taught that it's not true. Yeah, it doesn't. And I didn't, that was the first time that anyone had ever said that to me. And I remember feeling like, whoa, yes. (laughs) Like (laughs) that was so refreshing. Oh, one time a guy put his hand, like not on my neck, not touching my neck, but like backs of fingers near my neck and was just like, can I touch here? And I was just like, yes, like, because like, I love it. So anyway, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like goosebumps, right? Goosebumps, yeah. And then, you know, and then I want to melt because it's, it is anticipation and it's permission. And it's just that initial feeling of safety that like, oh, I'm not going to have to police this boy. 
This isn't going to be a boy that just keeps pushing until I say no. Because that's the least sexy thing, and that's what most dudes are taught. So, second date. So, yeah, we had many, many dates. I would say he blossomed into what would be a friends with benefits situation Mm -hmm. for me. We were never in a monogamous relationship, but we definitely were kind of like each other's go-to. Yeah. How was that for you? Because that's a paradigm shift. Yeah, it was so different, but it also felt just so safe. Okay. And like, I just ended up getting somebody really good. I was fortunate that my first foray into casual sex or non-committed sex was just so good because it could have been so terrible. But he was very nice and considerate. And he, we both dated and had sex with other people like throughout probably the course of a year. But, you know, if we were having a bad day, we could always just, like, call each other up. Like, it was one of those things. And so he ended up, like, sort of ushering me into that new phase of my life. And I was just like, man, this happened so well. Like, looking back on it and thinking how many different things could have gone wrong with that. (laughs) And it just went so right. So I was really fortunate. Wow. So that sparked your shift. Should we go back and recapture your early experience around that relationship, your first relationship? Because we didn't actually hear about the first partner yeah, times and the sure. thoughts and feelings there. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was that was probably even a bigger shift. That mm. that was probably my first like, oh, no, I am I'm going into this territory where it's sort of like I can't go back. You know, once you're not a virgin anymore, you can't go back and that that whole thing. It was very daunting to me. And I was very close with my mom. And I felt like I had to tell her everything I did. So for me to then want to do something that I knew she would highly disapprove of for probably the first time in my life. Yeah. I was so terrified and I felt so much shame because I was like, I can't talk to my mom about this. And if I can't talk to my mom, who can I talk to? Like, I was just very much very close to my mom. And it was so hard for me because she expressed a lot of disapproval when she finally did figure out because I had gone to the gynecologist and I was getting birth control and I was on her insurance, so I couldn't really hide it. You know, they were going to bill her insurance and she was going to know that I had gone to a gynecologist and that I was getting birth control prescriptions. And so I had to, I had to kind of come clean. You know, at first I tried to lie and be like, oh, I had uh, an infection. I had to go to the doctor. Like, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) and then I was like, well, no, that won't work because I have to use her prescription insurance too. And I tried not to do it. I tried to like, just buy my birth control. And it ended up being like $90. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can't do that. Crap. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I told her, you know, the real reason I had gone to the gynecologist and she, we kind of discussed it a little bit and she sort of expressed like, oh, I'm upset. You felt you had to lie and mm. like hide it. Well, then she wrote me a letter which she's famous for doing when she, since then, when I've done things she doesn't approve of, she writes me a letter and she sends it in the mail. And then I get it and I read it and it's always like, oh, you know, what would your grandmother think? Oh. Your, your sister-in-law, what were, 
what would happen if you were to become pregnant? What would they think? What would they say? That kind of thing. And you know it's wrong. I mean, she pulls out all the stops. That is such an intense amount of social shame being leveraged that I'm sure she's not doing with malicious intent as your mother, but holy cow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's very manipulative. Yeah. And very, I mean, at the time I was 19 and she still does it to this day. I mean, she, I got a letter when I entered into my now current relationship because there's an age gap, but mm -hmm. that's, you know, another, another storyline. Mm -hmm. But it was just so hard for me to overcome that. I remember sobbing. I'm in my dorm room with my college roommates <sighs> and they all know that I've like decided to have sex and they're all rooting me on yeah. because they really like my boyfriend and, you know, they really approve of it and they know that, oh, you know, she's not going to enter into this lightly. And, you know, they were rooting for me. And so then I have this other just lightning bolt coming from my mom about, you know, so much shame. And it was so hard for me to deal with. But I eventually, I need to do what I need to do because I know that if it's not now, it's going to be a little bit later. It's going to be before I'm married. I can't do this like forever. I just can't live in shame because I want to have sex. I want to have sex with this person. And I don't feel like there's a reason I shouldn't like morally. So that is a lot leading up to your first time. Were you experiencing pressure? <laughs> like feelings like um, what was the emotional state there? I was so nervous. I remember the first time I tried to have sex, though, when I finally decided I was going to do it. My boyfriend had been out drinking with his friends. And when I didn't know that, I went like into his dorm room and I was like, hey, like it was kind of a nightly ritual. He either, either came to mine or I came to his. We would sleep in those little twin beds yeah, together. Yeah, that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I kind of put on like sexy pajamas, yeah. like not just like an old shirt, but I had like booty shorts on or mm -hmm, something and a tank mm -hmm. top. I don't know. And I was like, oh man, this is it. And then I come in and he just reeks of alcohol. I'm like, no, like <laughs> this is not the way I wanted it to be. And so I didn't really say anything. And the next night we ended up doing it. And I told him like, you know, it was going to be last night, but then you drank. He's like, no, you should have told me. <laughs> He's like, you should have told me ahead of time. I wouldn't have drank. I would have been ready. He's like, I would have never gone out. <laughs> and so we had been discussing it for a long time and he was ready. And he was kind of like, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Mm. But we were both virgins. So we were like, you know, he was okay taking his time. And he knew that I was going to be taking longer than him, maybe. Mm. So like, finally, I was like, all right, this is this is the day. So that's kind of where like the whole I decided came in. Like, okay. you know, we had had a discussion many times leading up to it. I want to be clear. So the next night when I was finally like, okay, today is the day for real. Mm -hmm. He hadn't gone out. So like we were in my bed this time in my dorm. And my roommate was in the common room. We had like a suite with like two bedrooms. And she was in the common room and she had headphones on. And so I was like, we can probably get away with this. But looking back, like <laughs> I was just so desperate because I had had one failed attempt already. <laughs> 
I was like, we need to do it now. I'm going to (laughs) die. So I was like, do you want to have sex today? Like, do you think, do you want to? He's like, right now? Like, you know, your roommate's in the room. I'm like, yeah, but she has headphones on. Like, I can hear music from here. I'm sure she can't hear anything. He's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, but okay. And so... (laughs) I already had condoms and everything and like, you know, I was so, so paranoid. I had condoms, birth control, the works. And so, you know, we start like kissing and I was shaking. I've never shaken so hard in my life. Anyway, I was shaking like a leaf and he's like, are you okay? We don't have to, like, we can stop. I'm like, oh, but like, no, I want to. I'm just really nervous. (laughs) Like it's not. It's not that I don't want to. It's just I'm overcoming like two decades of shame right yeah. now. So <sighs> you got to give me a minute. But yeah, I was so nervous. And I remember it being nice, though. Like, I remember he was on top first because I was like, I can't I can't do it. You're going to have to do it. And he started like slowly going inside me and I was like oh my god it hurts so bad (laughs) and but I like totally muscled through I'm one of those people that like even if I'm in pain I'm just gonna like muscle through stuff okay okay and so I was like this is gonna be fine it's gonna be fine in like two minutes and it was like magically it was just fine and honestly he was pretty big like he had a pretty big penis I didn't know Right. Because I have not seen one. My first was the same way. I was like, and I was like, let's try everything, even butt sex. (laughs) Like later I look back and I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it hurt for a little bit, but then it did not. And then it felt really good. Mm. Like, I think for my first time, it was probably way better than I expected. And looking back, like way better than maybe most people's like clumsy first time experiences. And I don't know, but I just feel like it was very good. Regardless, it was very good. And I don't think either of us had an orgasm, but it was just more about like, oh my gosh, we did that. And like, we did that both for the first time together. It was very sweet. I don't know. (laughs) So in the following five years, Did you explore together? How did you kind of figure stuff out? So we did explore a little bit with stuff. I think for probably a couple years, honestly, we were very vanilla Mm -hmm. and that was fine. You know, for that time period, I don't think either of us had any complaints. I didn't even know what there was to explore when I was starting out. Like I was like doing sex was still so exciting to me that it like, I didn't get to other stuff yet. (laughs) Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, he, we had both like watched some porn and we're like, do do people really do that? Like, is that something we should do? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We like really didn't explore that much until probably year three or four. And then it got a little like bland, you know, just doing the same things over and over again. And we're like, okay, but we're really young. Like, does this, actually happen like this soon in a relationship Mm. like we're not even married and it's already getting stagnant so like we did start kind of trying new things I remember we the first time we ever did anything remotely kinky 
was we had these Halloween costumes and his had like these very silky velvety gloves that he had on. It was like a superhero thing. And he put those on and he touched me and I was like, wait, that's kind of nice. I like that. Can you wear those? And like, oh. he's like, yeah. And so he was like touching me. And of course, you know, my nipples are super sensitive. So he kind of started there and I was like, this is new. Like, this is nice. And honestly, even just something that simple, like switching that up was very exciting. And yeah. that kind of opened the door like, okay, let's bring in like things. Sensation. <laughs> like, oh, cool. You know, what did you bring in? Textures. He had a tie, like a necktie that he blindfolded me with one time. And then I had like this scarf, like he tied my wrists above my head and he blindfolded me. And then we kind of had this thing where like, we pretended we didn't know each other. <laughs> Fun. Where were you? Yeah. Like, where was it just like in the bedroom or did you like meet somewhere? Um, we didn't like go out and physically meet somewhere, but like we had a dialogue about oh. it. Like when he, when he was like starting to kiss me and stuff. I mean, he was very good at talking dirty. I was oh. not, I was very shy, uh -huh. but he was very good at it. And he would say like, you know, oh, do you, do you like this or whatever? And and he would say, I'm this person. Like he would like lay out the whole thing, basically tell me who he was, who I am, but in a very sexy way. I yeah. couldn't even recreate it if I wanted to, yeah. but he was very good at it. And then I remember thinking like, oh, this is so exciting. You know, I, it's somebody I don't know. And I think awesome. it was maybe sort of a fantasy for both of us just because we were so comfortable with each other that it was almost too comfortable. Mm. Wow. Okay. So first I just want to say before everyone goes out to get velvet gloves, I'm a person <laughs> that the texture of velvet velour corduroy to me, that's like nails on a chalkboard. Like it gives me extreme willies. So like I once had a lover that was like wanting to fuck me on a velvet chair and I was like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like say that to highlight the extreme amount of difference in terms of like what bodies enjoy sensation wise. Okay. So Take us through the next steps of your sex life, like enjoyments, great stories, terrible stories. How did you have health and safety conversations once you started tending all of the whatever jumps to mind? Yes. So despite the fact that I am in healthcare and fully aware of STIs and all that stuff, I had a really hard time asking people about their history or, you know, whatever, do you have unprotected sex, that kind of thing. I always had protected sex mm -hmm. with partners that I didn't know or that were untested or whatever. But I, I had a really hard time bringing that up. And for me, it was kind of a non-issue because going into it, at least in the beginning, going into it after my relationship ended, I had only ever had sex with one person right. and we were both virgins. So we were like pretty safe. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember still that I got, I got tested before I did all of that even so. Yep. And so I felt like, okay, I've done my due diligence and I, for me to go into that with somebody else was hard because I know not everyone does. And maybe the majority of people are, are a little, even slightly careless about it. And even yes. slightly is enough. And so I was okay with that first guy that was kind of my friends with benefits situation. 
he was very forthcoming about it and he had been tested. I mean, mm. I don't know. I probably should have like ended up with this guy because this seems <laughs> just perfect looking back. <laughs> but like whoever he ends up with, like they got a gem because he is just very, you know, he was very considerate, but not everyone was like that. And yeah. when, when the other person wasn't as willing to talk about it or kind of blew it off, even if I brought it up, it was very hard. Yeah. And I remember, so there was a guy in my master's program that I had my eye on, like, right away, and probably for a year. And so I I think that people sort of disproportionately think that men do this, but, like, I even did the whole thing where, like, I would masturbate to him and like fantasize about him. Uh And like, I, I was like, Oh man, that's so bad. But like, he was so dreamy (laughs) and tall and nice. So super nice to me. And so we went out in like a group of friends the one night and he ended up texting me after we had gone back to our cars and I was in my car, like ready to drive away out of the parking lot. And he's like, do you want to watch a movie? And I was like, (laughs) okay, I know what this means because I had kind of been flirting with him all night and like touching his arm and like, you know, being pretty, pretty forthcoming for me. Mm -hmm. I know that doesn't sound like it to a lot of people, but for me, like it was very obvious because I'm normally very reserved. So I was like, oh my God, yes. Like, this is what I want. And I really, I remember thinking like, this is my time. I don't want a relationship. Like reminding myself, I don't want a relationship right now. And this is what I wanted was to like experiment with people. So I was like, yeah, I do. Are you already like home? Cause I was like, did he drive away? And he was like, no. I'm like, are you still here? He's like, yes. So I went and got in his car. And, like, I knew him. It wasn't, like, a sketchy situation. Like, I knew him for a long time. So I remember we, like, drove through this fast food place and we got shakes or something, like, under the guise of, we're just going to, like, chill, right? And it's 2 a.m. or something. And he sits in the parking lot or in the driveway, at the end of the driveway of the of the fast food place and he leaned over like right away and just kissed me like I wasn't ready for it oh and I was like whoa like okay this is already happening and I remember thinking like okay this is what I wanted but at the same time it was kind of hollow for me kind of yeah. empty because again there was like not the consent thing there and even for something that people think is pretty innocuous like a kiss it just felt like oh like Ugh, something just hit me in the face. Like, yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> but it's also, it's, it ruins the anticipation, which is half of the deliciousness. I mean, I'm not half, but like. So we did end up going back to his house, which I think he rented or something, but it wasn't like he owned a house without him. I'm kind of cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we got in the door and he was like what movie do you want to watch and I literally just like stepped forward and kind of like just like kind of touched his arms like I was like do you really want to watch a movie (laughs) or like are we done pretending yeah (laughs) seriously which was like so I mean 
like I said, super forward for me. Yeah. If you know me at all, that I don't normally do that kind of thing. And he was like, oh, okay. So then it was kind of like very fast. And I don't really remember, like he took my clothes off really quickly. I don't know what happened, but he tried to have sex with me without a condom. And, like, actually made contact before I was like, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Like, oh no. Oh, my God. Not- so he made it so you had to stop him during things to have the... Yeah. That's horrible. And I was, like, pretty much going to be okay with, like, when we start to get a little more hot and heavy. Like, yeah. okay, we can yeah. use a condom. Like, are you, are you okay with that? Like, are you safe? Like, I just, I wanted to have a little bit of a conversation. I wasn't expecting, like, an hour thing or anything. Yeah. But... And he was like, yeah, I guess, like, you know, slumps over to get Mm -hmm. his condom out of his nightstand, like, it's a huge deal. And, I mean, we had sex, and it was fine, but I feel like it just totally ruined it for me. All of his, like, you know, he didn't really ask for consent, and he didn't, you know, automatically assume we were using protection. Yeah. And all those things. And I had just been fantasizing yeah. for like a year oh. and then you know it, it just wasn't what I thought it was so the reason I bring that up is because that was one of the times where I felt like oh my gosh I've made myself vulnerable to like STDs mm. here you know yeah and I did end up getting HPV from my whole um let's be more casual escapade where, you know, there were, I'm not saying it was from him because there were several guys that I was with during that time, but I ended up getting HPV and thinking just like, oh my gosh, this is what I get. You know, I thought it was like my punishment for Mm -hmm. being, you know, promiscuous and, and that was like my shame coming back in. Like, you know, this is what you deserved. Yep. I can relate to that. (laughs) Oh, also just to say, it's not true. Right. (laughs) Everyone's responsibility. And I felt that way, even though the person that gave me herpes in my throat, I had multiple very clear conversations. I did all, everything I could have. I can't help it if somebody else lies to me about who they've slept with. And HPV is sneaky and dudes don't know how to look out, you know, they, you can't, what, that's, they can't test for it in dudes, right? Like they're silent carriers or. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think they can test and they don't automatically know if they have it. So the yes. high risk HPV, you don't have warts or anything. So you right. don't know, which right. is the kind that can cause cervical cancer, unfortunately. Exactly. So, you know, there I am Googling all about it, but <laughs> you can get it without, even if you use a condom, you can get it. So that was another thing that I didn't know. So, I mean, importance of testing right there. Yeah. Yeah. And just keeping each other safe. And that's that's the other thing is I'm like, like, why do you want to fuck somebody that you don't care enough about as a friend to keep them safe? Like, why are these the social agreements that are normal to us? This is the part where I'm, you know, and it's not it's not a criticism of any particular person, but it is a societal structure that I think is baffling. And that I'm hoping that the more we talk about it, the more we can be like, no, 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 you're only cool if you initiate the conversation. In fact, you're cooler if you're the first one to initiate it. Like that's the vibe that I would love to, to set. 
Okay, will you share with us just some of your favorite things about sex? What you're exploring, what you want to explore, if you want to talk about the current sex you're having or just what gets you excited. Let's go into some juicy things. Okay. I guess currently I'm just having such good sex that I'm I'm loving a lot about it right now. <laughs> Yay. So yeah, I guess that brings me kind of into like dating my current partner who is older by about 20 years. Yeah. And that was a very different experience. And I don't know whether to chalk it up to age or just that he's a completely different individual because it could be a little of both yep. or one or the other. Yeah. But he is very attentive <laughs> and just like, wants us to both have a good time so he's always checking in and like is this okay and like he's not one of those people that is like assuming that everything they do is just the best thing in the world that you've ever experienced right (laughs) which I mean on the whole I would say that you know younger more inexperienced partners tend to do not all the time Mm -hmm. so also plenty of older ones still do it also plenty of older ones (laughs) Depending on their personality. Yes. But he's he's a good mix of, you know, he's just a caring individual in general. And then he's obviously experienced, which does not bother me, um, mm-hmm. because he was also very open about, like, testing and stuff like that. So I felt very safe from the beginning. And he is the first partner that I have let come inside me. Ooh. Because of my very, very pregnancy paranoid brain, I, even in that five year, six year long relationship that I had, I never had sex with him without a condom, which probably blows some people's minds, Mm -hmm. but I did it. Like I just did not, I couldn't get pregnant because then if I did, I was worried that I would have to, you know, get an abortion and that would be even worse and just, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah. So my current partner, you know, we were both tested and we were like, okay, let, let's do this. Cause I have an IUD, which I felt more confident in than a pill. Yeah. So I remember the first time that happened, I felt when he came, I felt it on my cervix. Right. Yeah. That's so hot. Oh, that's different. <laughs> but yeah. so good. And yeah actually made me have an orgasm, which I generally, it's very hard for me to have an orgasm from just intercourse, just, you know, vaginal orgasm or whatever you want to call it. So since then, it's just been very nice to relax about being fluid bonded with someone. Um, And he wanted to try things with me that I had never tried one being anal sex. And I was so apprehensive about it. Mm -hmm. But he was he went very slow, you know, lots of lube. And I recommend for anyone that wants to try it just, you know, slow and lots of lube. Yes. (laughs) And I ended up really enjoying it and still do. And so that's, that's something on our menu. Yeah, and askasms. <laughs> you can have them? Yes. Fuck yeah. yeah. How long did it and take you to have your first one? Not to be orgasm-oriented, but just for a frame of reference. Because mine took, like, maybe, seven, I think, seven or eight or nine months. I'd have to go check. Oh, I know. 
not for me, but only because I was very, I don't know if I'm just very good at like Zen. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I'm like, I push through pain and stuff, yeah. but it's not always like, once I get past this wall, there's kind of like, oh, it's okay. Like I'm able to relax my body enough. That's so awesome. I think it took me a couple months. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm a hyper anxiety person. Even if I don't look like I'm freaking out, I'm always like, what's happening if I don't know? And so that's also why I'm like, but can you tell me all the details? <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? What else? So that's kind of where I've sort of been exploring more I don't want to say necessarily kinks because a lot of the things we do are not really kinky, but we got a butt plug for me, which it has a tail. <gasps> what kind of tail? It's, I don't know, it's like a black, I guess it was yeah. a fox tail. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so then that kind of was like, well, what if I like also have a leash and a collar and, you know, like wear ears and like lingerie and, you know, that kind of thing really appealed to me. And I felt like, oh, that's so like, oh, like porn. Like I just, oh. I felt like I had sort of a visceral reaction to it. Like that seems bad or like too kinky for me. But then we tried it and, you know, he was kind of coaxing me like, I know you want to do it and we can do it. It's okay. And if you yeah. don't like it, we don't have to do it again. Yeah. And so we did do that and I very much enjoyed it. And also I very much enjoy like anything submissive in that realm. So like feeling like sort of this, like, oh, I have you on a leash and you're, you're an animal, like you're lower than me kind of thing was like very appealing. Um, But yeah, it was very, very nice. Can you try to articulate the specific good feelings about it, either emotionally or physically? Yes. So I think the main thing is that I am very much a control freak a lot of the time in my professional life and at home. You know, I I take over lots of things and tasks and feel like I am responsible for a lot. (laughs) And so when, when I am in like more of a submissive space during sex, I feel like, okay, somebody is taking care of me. It feels very safe. And I think it should with the right person. It shouldn't be scary or like feel like you're actually in danger. Correct. And it just gives me, yeah, this feeling of I can forget other responsibilities and things for a minute. And, you know, sex in general is like that, but particularly being submissive or just being, you know, having someone in control in that moment is really delicious for me because I don't let people do that. It's very intimate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do the, what do we call them? Accoutrement, the decorations that you wear, do they affect that feeling for you? Like, does it help you get into a space? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, very much. So I I feel like I gain more confidence from mm. what I'm wearing. And that's important for me because I do not have as much confidence as I would like in my body or myself or whatever. Yeah. And so when I'm wearing something that I feel sexy in, it makes me act sexier. And then it's easier for me to enjoy sex 
And then I also feel like the times when my boyfriend is wanting me to be more in control, I really have to amp up what I'm wearing. Like, you know, if I want to be more in control, I may be going to wear like leather or something, you know, or something (laughs) with metal on it. I don't know. Something really to me that just says I'm in control and I'm a tough bitch. Like (laughs) when I don't feel like it on a daily basis, but it's fun to switch over into that like character. It's almost like I have another, an alter ego. Yeah. Yeah. So earlier you said some of your sex is scheduled ish, shall we say? Mm -hmm. Do you talk about ahead of time, like what you're going to do in a session or do you let it be more free flowing? What's that dynamic like between you two? I wish we talked about it more. Mm -hmm. I feel like whether he's busy or he's just not into it, we don't really have like sexy texts or conversations or whatever. And I feel a little bit embarrassed to try in case Mm -hmm. he, there's been a couple of times where like, I'll send him a nude or something. And Sometimes he'll just say nice, which like he's older and he doesn't text. And like, I get that he has a whole different, there's like a generational gap there that like, he's not going to sit there and type out a paragraph. That's just not who he is. And I know that. So I have to remind myself, but at the same time, it does make me shy away from those sort of sexier texts because I don't get that much of a response. And I need that for me to feel like encouraged to do it again. Same. <laughs> Getting tap back likes or hearts when I send a nude just like crushes me. Here's a question though. Do you think it's not his personality or has he just not been taught the ways? Like, do you think there's an invitation possible there? Yeah, maybe a bit of both. Okay. He is sort of over text, at least. Yeah. That is just yeah. kind of the way he is. But I feel like there's potential. Like if, you know, I've talked to him a little bit about it. Like, hey, I would maybe send you more of these things if, like, I got a little bit more feedback. Like, (laughs) I remember one time he did, it must have been a particularly good picture because he was like, oh, wow, you look so good, baby. And I was like, oh, like, he liked that one. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, like, he was at work and he works with, like, all these other guys. It's a a very Mm male-dominated industry that he works in. And so... I was like, do you want to show the people you work with? Does it make you want to show them? And he was like, yeah, it kind of does. And I was like, do you want to? Because like, I don't really know any of them. I never yeah. really meet them. Like, yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing. And he was like, well, maybe I'll show one person that's by okay. me right now. And I was like, okay. And like, he showed them and they were like, dude, you're so lucky. Like, because, you know, I'm younger. And, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I remember feeling very excited about that. And then when he came home that day, we did have sex, like right away when he walked in the door and, you know, I didn't care if he was like sweaty or dirty or anything. I just like, I grabbed him and we were going to the bedroom and like, we didn't even really make it there, but (laughs) that was very exciting for me in that moment, which like normally I would... I've never done anything like that before. Like wanted people to see yeah. me. Yeah. How did it feel? Nervous, excited. Like my heart was pounding while I was waiting for him to text back. Like, oh my gosh. But then, you know, afterwards I was like, okay, like that's 
that's really exciting. Like it kind of, we did have discussions after that about like bringing other people into our sex life, men and women, which when you introduced me, you said I'm vicarious and I've kissed girls and that's about it. So like, I'm very intrigued and we're both, we were both open to it, which I was weird about having partners of both sexes in the bedroom again, or I guess, you know, male and female bodied people. And so it was like, that's new. Like I've never had someone so secure who would want to do this with me. So that was interesting. So if you could just give like an overview of a fantasy version of what that might look like to make it feel good, if it were to actually happen, what does that look like for us? Is it people you know? Is it strangers? Is it planned? Is it happenstance? Do you have any juicy thoughts or feelings around that? We sort of half-heartedly like searched for people like strangers, like, you know, on apps and stuff. I, though, felt like I needed to have a much more emotional connection with the person, whoever it ended up being, male or female or otherwise. I felt like I needed an emotional connection to that person. I needed to have a base relationship with this person. And then my boyfriend was very much like, oh, I don't really care. (laughs) So it was hard for us to sort of agree on, first of all, just pursuing a particular person. And then when we did meet them, like, oh, I liked them or I didn't. And he was like, well, I mean, whatever. (laughs) I was like, no, this is not entirely on me. Yeah. You know, you also need to, this is going to affect you as well. Totally. And so, yeah, that's not really gone anywhere yet. But I feel like if it were to, it would have to be almost someone we knew, even just a little, maybe not too much, but just, you know, like somebody that wouldn't be a complete stranger. And he did contact like a friend one time, a male friend of his. And I kind of was like, oh, you know, does that make you uncomfortable? Because I know it's really easy for like cis hetero men to be like, oh, yeah, I want another woman in the bedroom. Right. Right. But not a man. But he was more open to it than I thought he would be. And I asked him, like, would you let a guy fuck you? Yeah. He was like, I've thought about it. Like, (gasps) oh, you did? Like, oh, my. (laughs) I, I never really imagined that he would even entertain the idea yeah cool either way i'm i'm almost equally excited about either prospect of of either having sex with somebody and him watching or or him having sex with somebody me watching that kind of thing i feel like i would want it to be probably like in a situation where we're like in someone's home like not really a sex party thing and just very like intimate, safe. Like I'm a very much like I need to feel safe yeah. to have yeah. and having sex person. So, but yeah, the the idea of it's very exciting. So awesome. I don't know, maybe someday. <laughs> oh, maybe someday. <laughs> what other fantasies that you have that you either like definitely want to explore or maybe don't want to explore in real life, but love to like think about? Um. I had a phase, I guess, where I would watch gangbang porn, <laughs> which like is very different from what I would probably do in real life. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a, a fantasy that stays a fantasy. But the idea of having like multiple men or women 
I don't want to say like having sex with me, but almost like just using me. Yes. Like that's like the yes. the appeal to that, which like I said, I don't know if I would really enjoy that in real life, but the idea of it is very erotic to me. Totally. Yeah. And then for sure, I would like to experiment more with women just because it's been very limited. I've had a couple friends that I've kissed like you know we yeah. were out yeah. we maybe drank a little too much and we we're kissing but then like we do it again when we're not drunk because we're kind of like that was nice yeah. <laughs> um, and I almost had a threesome with a friend of mine and then this guy that we met at a bar the one time that's kind of an interesting story which I would I I was ready I was this close to doing it and then she didn't want to, so we totally backed out, which uh, I was like, that's fine. Yeah. But um, we went out with some friends, and then we kind of lost the friends. And so it was just us. So we were dancing and having a good time, and we met this guy. And we started dancing with him. But then we were like, oh, wait, like I really like you, too. <laughs> so we were like kissing each other and kissing him. And I realized the whole, like bar is watching us but I didn't really care (laughs) (laughs) and it was like probably this very stereotypical like frat boy experience for this guy but he was so sweet like he didn't even like guys were coming over and like patting him on the back and giving him shots and we were just like (laughs) and he was like not really taking them like oh no I don't really want to be drunk for this moment yeah and I just remember thinking, like, oh, he's so sweet and innocent. Like, nothing like this has ever happened to any of us. And it's obvious, but we're all just going with it. And so we are, you know, kissing him. And I remember that was the first time that I, like, touched another girl's boobs, like, on purpose. Like, you know, not just like, yeah. sorry, I touched your boob. But I was, like, touching her boobs and thinking, oh, my God. Like, I could just go home with her and leave him and that'd be fine. <laughs> but yeah. then we, like, walked out of the bar with him and he was like oh you know did you want to go home with me and I was looking at my friend like yes and she was like no I mean maybe like as we're walking I'm like are we like are we doing this or are we not like now's your chance to say no because yeah. like these there's still time she's like no I don't want to I'm like okay bye like yeah. I was like sorry we have to go yeah. and so like you know, in that moment, I was just like, good for us. Like we made a decision. Like I wasn't even upset about it. I was just like, I'm glad she said something because I would have been mad if she did. Or I would have been like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, I didn't know. Totally. So have you ever sucked a female nipple? No. Okay. Not yet. No, but I think about it a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like I definitely, I want to know like how common it is for other women to first of all have nipples that are as sensitive as mine but second of all just to be like I want to do what I would want done to me and see if that is like That's you know exactly where my head is at because I'm like yeah, I I want to be with somebody that's like, let me show you how I nipple gasm and see if it works. Maybe there's a magic secret I don't know about. I don't know. What's your favorite thing about your sexual self? Probably the fact that I am very persistent in still 
awakening that part of myself despite everything I'm I don't want to say like I'm kind of brave but like you can you sound brave a lot yeah (laughs) okay I'm brave I mean I had to overcome a lot to get over like the shame and even still today like dealing with that and you know going out there and having sex with people that you know I had just met but then still feeling confident that I could tell them no or tell them, you know, this isn't the way I want to be treated. Like when I crossed over into that point in my life from, you know, high school me, that was like, oh, I don't really know if I can tell them no, I'll just squirm around till they stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, and you know, now to the point where, okay, that's not, that's not what I want or that's not working for me, which is a completely different thing, but also very important. Yeah. I'm just, I guess, proud of the progress that I've made and that I, you know, had a shift where I can say I, I'm allowed to enjoy sex and that's not bad. Yes. Is there anything else before I ask you the wrap-up questions, that needs to be said about your sexual self or thoughts on sex? I guess just general thoughts on sex is that if you're like me and you have problems articulating what you want or what you need or how you feel, that that needs to be addressed somehow. And I know it's a battle and I know it's a constant thing that you have to work on. But even just like in daily life, if you have problems telling people no with a work assignment that you don't feel you have the mental capacity to handle, like that's the same thing. It's just you have to be your own sexual representative and say, Mm -hmm. this is not what I'm about, or this is absolutely what I'm about. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you want to be monogamous or if you want to have sex with a whole bunch of people, it just, you have to speak up for yourself. And I have had such a long journey learning that. And I just hope that other people realize that when you do finally do it, no one's going to look at you sideways and no one's going to think that you're a bad person and no one's going to feel like You're a buzzkill. And if they do, then you don't need that in your life. (laughs) Yes. If they do, that's not a fucking person. I mean, it's a person. That's not a fuckable person. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? I would probably go back to maybe even like 12 year old me and just say you're going to have sexual urges and that's okay. And you're going to want to have sex before you're married and that's okay. And you don't have to feel shame. And it's just because you want someone to touch you doesn't make you a bad person. And because you touch yourself doesn't make you a bad person. Um, And you're allowed to feel those feelings. And also just to be more forgiving of myself when I am not able to do that. Because no matter what I would say to myself, I don't think I would really have much of a change. I'd still feel that way. But just 
being able to say it's okay that you felt a little bit of shame when you had your first orgasm and you had to stuff a comforter in your mouth because it's it's a work in progress and you know I'm probably still going to be working on it for a while and that's okay too and just making sure that I I don't feel like I have to completely drown that part of myself fuck yeah is there a sex question you want to ask me? My question for you, and I often wonder this about a lot of people, is do you feel like when you were little, you still had like a child, like you still had sexual urges and you just didn't know what they were? And then how do you feel like that was received or addressed in your life? Because personally, like, as an example, I feel like I had a lot of sexual urges, but it was very just not talked about or, you know, people didn't really think of children as being yeah. able to feel feelings like that. But I think they can. Yeah. Yeah. I was a horny little kid that didn't know what it meant to be horny. And I had a similar experience to you where my mom was a nurse and she was like, the penis goes in the vagina. And I was about four years old. And I remember just being like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not possible. Like that doesn't, <laughs> uh, I know sizes, tiny holes, penises, no, you know, and, and I do remember like discovering good feelings in my crotch area early on. And then I, I think I started touching myself and orgasming when I was like 10 and it was cause I read about it in a book. <laughs> And I was like, I'm going to try this. And so I think that, I think I just flew under the radar a lot. And I had, in terms of no adult humans in my life knew that I was so sexual because I kept it to myself. Because I just had this kind of sense that it wasn't something to talk about. And I did go to church off and on that kind of stopped when I was a teenager and I was allowed to to choose. But I also had a bad Sunday school experience where the kids made fun of me because I didn't have my own Bible. So I would like disappear. Like instead of going to Sunday school, I would like go to the janitor's closet or the bathroom or just kind of hide. So I also missed a lot of lessons of shame. So I remember like masturbating in secret, masturbating silently. And then when I was 16, we had a Swedish exchange student and she let me ask her all the questions. And that's when I started giving blowjobs. So like I was a hypersexual kid that would like fantasize about grown up things that I knew were grown up. But I did have this weird construct of like, I guess I'll have to wait till marriage. God, I'm, I guess, I, you know, and I remember specifically thinking like I will get married when I'm 20 so I can have sex when I'm 20. And that was like the random arbitrary number that my little kid brain came up with because I was like 20 is a grown up and then they can get married. So you know, it's just so funny. And I think that all of that desire and confusion for me started as a kid. And one of the comments that I get the most when people listen to this podcast is that I exude a childlike, innocent nature, which is hilarious to me because I'm like, well, no. But I think that's some part of my like through line that I'm still trying to unpack and, and figure it out and make it... Um, you know, make it so that more people maybe do have the experience of not getting shame shoved upon them if they're a horny kid. Because I think a lot of us are. Like, more. the more I talk to people, the more it sounds like we discover our tingly parts younger and younger, even if we don't know what to do with them. That's my yeah. ramble answer. <laughs> I love it. Chevelle, thank you so much for being on the pod. 
Thank you for having me. It was fun.